This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. The coronavirus outbreak continues to impact our daily lives in major ways. To stop the spread of the virus, states are closing schools, restaurants, and bars, and local officials are shutting down large gatherings and encouraging social distancing. But experts say people experiencing homelessness are among the most vulnerable. That means many people in the Chicago area will be impacted, including this reset listener who left us a message. Hi, I want to be anonymous. I'm calling from the city of Chicago, and I'm currently homeless and staying at a a shelter, like an interim housing program where you can stay for up to six months. And my concern is we have to leave during the day, and you have you know, 50 women who go out and about in the community, maybe ride the trains all day, come into contact with potentially hundreds of people, each one, and then come back at night. And so my concern is that um, some of the area shelters and the programs like the one I'm in may close, leaving us with nowhere to go. And we're relying on these places for food, um, for, you know, a roof over our head and, and There's no safety net beyond these services. Joining us now to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on people experiencing homelessness in the Chicago area is Julie Dworkin, Director of Policy at the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. Julie, hi. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. So before we dig in here, what was your reaction to what we just heard there from a reset listener? She, She said she wanted to stay anonymous. Yeah, that's very concerning. Um, I think that, I mean, I think there, that it brings up two things. One is the concern that the programs will close because staff are calling in sick and there's diminished capacity. But the other concern is that the programs do not close and that they are, you know, daily gatherings of more than 50 people living in very close quarters. So um, on both ends of the spectrum, it's, it's a cause for concern. Give us a sense of how many people are experiencing homelessness in Chicago. So our estimate is that over 86,000 people uh, experience homelessness in the course of a year in the city of Chicago. Um, over 22,000 of them will stay in a shelter or temporary housing, like the caller just described. Um, but many of them are also staying temporarily with friends or family, which we call doubled up because they've lost their housing, or they're actually out on the street And all populations of people experiencing homelessness are impacted by COVID-19 in serious ways. Talk about the specific challenges people experiencing homelessness face and how those challenges are are further exacerbated by COVID-19. Well, the thing that we are most concerned about is that people experiencing homelessness are among the most vulnerable to this virus. Uh, Many of them have underlying health conditions. 
of those that are living in shelters and on the street, uh, 12% of them are over the age of 60. And for obvious reasons, social isolation at home is not possible for them. And so, um, as we heard from the caller, many of these congregate shelters are daily gatherings of of more than 50 people, which has now been banned in Illinois. And some of them are housing as many as 300 to 600 people a night. So you can see why that is obviously a cause for concern. And those on the street are also extremely vulnerable because they don't have access to facilities to wash their hands. They're living in encampments in close corners. The thing that's important for everyone to remember is that it's not just people experiencing homelessness that are at risk if we don't address these problems immediately. Everyone is at greater risk of exposure if we don't stop the spread in one group of people who have lots of contacts every single day, just like the caller pointed out. Now, over the weekend, the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless came out with recommendations for state and local response to COVID-19 for people who are experiencing homelessness. What does the state and local response look like so far? Well, there have been some uh, immediate actions taken by the city and state and county that we are applauding. There's been a moratorium on evictions in the county, um, as well as a moratorium on utility shutoffs. Hand-washing stations are being installed at some encampments. Food is being distributed on a daily basis at all CPS schools. Um, the Illinois Department of Services is suspending program requirements around you know, what they're expecting service providers to deliver, recognizing that business as usual can't go on right now. But the most urgent need has not yet been addressed. The most urgent need is to immediately create housing options such as hotel rooms for self-isolation for people who are experiencing homelessness. We'd like to see this type of housing for everyone who is currently living on the street and also those who are at the most risk in shelters. And I just want to emphasize that the priority should be for folks that are exhibiting symptoms right now and are staying in these congregate settings, um, people who get sick and then are released from a hospital and have nowhere to go. And in addition, the people that are in these vulnerable categories, people who are over 60 or with underlying health conditions, who have no choice right now but to live in a congregate setting, and that puts them at high risk, those folks, even if they're not exhibiting symptoms, should be in isolation housing. Seattle has moved a couple of weeks ago to create this type of housing, and San Francisco did it last week. What are some of the other recommendations you're making for for state officials? So we have a pretty broad list of recommendations that, you know, run the gamut, um, but some other things that, that we are calling for are the need for cleaning supplies and protective gear for staff at shelters, support for homeless students while school is out. Um, we need contingency plans um, as shelter staffing is dwindling. Like the caller said, you know, she's concerned it might close. We've already heard from shelter providers that they're you know, almost at the point where they can't continue to operate the shelter. Um, we also need the ability to screen for illness outside of shelters before people come in. Um, we need emergency funds for a variety of needs. Um, and we're also trying to ensure things like uninterrupted public benefits, and just making sure that people stay safe in their homes and aren't, you know, being forced out of their homes due to inability to pay mortgage or other requirements right now. 
Right now, I'm going to bring another voice into this conversation. Joining us on the line is Greg Trotter. He's Senior Manager of Public Relations for the Greater Chicago Food Depository. And Greg, as we just heard there, people experiencing homelessness are among the most vulnerable to COVID-19. And an urgent need is access to food. What kind of impact are you seeing at the food depository? We are very concerned about an increased need for food in our community and so we, um, we've we been working with our network of food pantries and shelters and soup kitchens throughout Chicago and Cook County to try to adjust and to continue serving people in need if possible, but to do so more safely. And so we've been recommending that instead of having pantries set up like a grocery store where someone can just get what they need and and not take what they don't like, you know, instead making prepared bags or boxes of food that people can just come in and grab or for agencies that provide a hot meal, a communal meal, instead doing prepared meals to go. Um, so many of our agencies, uh, many of our partners are, are taking those measures and the vast majority of our network remains open at this point. Uh, but are, are you seeing have been some closed? Are you seeing an uptick in demand right now? It's a little too early to say whether we're seeing increase in demand. You know, we certainly expect that there will be with all the school closings, the business closings. And so to that point, another part of our response is we're preparing these thousands of boxes of food, of emergency uh, non-perishable food items to be distributed. And we're working with the city, uh, the city's Office of Emergency Management on that effort. What kind of help would be ideal in this situation from both the state level and and from the federal government? I'm not really sure that I can speak to that, but I mean, I I think what people can do most to help is to donate to support the effort because we're a food bank, because we're, you know, able to buy food at cost. The the most important thing that people can do to help feed their neighbors in need here in Cook County and support the Food Depository's response with these emergency food boxes is is to donate to chicagosfoodbank.org slash COVID. If people are in need of food, what's the best way for them to find where these resources are located? So they can go to our website, chicagosfoodbank.org, find food or slash find food, and there's a locator map and you just enter an address and it'll tell you the nearest agency to you. Now, we definitely recommend calling the number and making sure that they're maintaining normal hours of operation uh, before before going there. And Greg, in terms of, of supporting the food bank, is it better for people right now to donate money or actual food supplies? What's the best way to support your work? It's really money at this point, And I know that may not be as exciting as, you know, a, a food drive or, or trying to gather certain items. But because we buy food at scale, the money helps us. We can put it directly toward what's most needed. Um, you know, as we build these boxes, we might need more boxes, for example, which cost money. Food donations, we appreciate any kind of support, but as we get food donations, that they require staff and volunteer time to sort through those products. Whereas whether, you know, if, if we're just getting money donations from people, we can use it to buy what's most needed. That's Greg Trotter. He's Senior Manager of Public Relations for the Greater Chicago Food Depository. We will tweet out a link to that organization at WBEZ Reset. Greg, thanks.
Thank you. Turning back now to Julie Dworkin, Director of Policy at the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. Julie, there seems like there are multiple issues right now. You have people who are currently experiencing homelessness, people who may be on the edge of experiencing homelessness. What is the best way for for people to support your work um, to keep people either secure in their housing or to help people who, who don't have housing right now? We have just sent out and um, put on social media a link to a fund that is being coordinated through a number of the larger foundations in Chicago, as well as the city of Chicago, that's kind of pooling resources to distribute to nonprofits. So you can look on our Facebook page for that. Um, We would definitely encourage people to donate to that. Um, If people are in need, um, we have an app and also a web page called Streetlight. Um, It's directed primarily at at youth and young adults, ages 16 to 24, but it does have a lot of resources on there and directs people to resources. So we definitely encourage people to look at that. I'm curious about the timeline for you here because it seems like the support you're asking for from from local officials, from the federal government, that it's a time-sensitive issue. Can you talk about that a bit? Oh, yeah. I mean, we uh, we want to have a plan in place before the first person in the homeless population is positively diagnosed with the illness. We don't have a positive diagnosis yet, but once we do, we feel it's going to already be too late. So we are talking with folks later today from the city, the state, and the county, and we are hoping that the outcome of that call is a plan to put this emergency social isolation housing in place immediately. And I wonder if this pandemic is uncovering how deep the issue of housing and security goes in Chicago. We've heard about college students who are going potentially without housing now that their schools have closed or how students in in Chicago public schools, you know, not having a school to go to every day, how that heightens housing and security for them. Is there any... I hate to say opportunity here, but is there some something here that helps us come to terms with how much of an issue this is for our area? Well, I think any kind of a crisis like this, we saw a similar thing with the polar vortex last year, just really highlights and, and brings to the forefront the people in our society that are most vulnerable. And we appreciate that there is a rapid response happening right now from all levels of government. But our feeling is that this has been uh, this is an ongoing crisis that has been going on for decades in this country, and people have stopped thinking about it as a crisis. It's been it's become kind of institutionalized. You know, it's become normal that we see people sleeping on the street um, on a piece of cardboard, and nobody thinks, "Why aren't we doing anything about this?" So, we definitely feel like we need larger systemic change to address this. Um, we have a proposal we've been working on to try and create a resource um, in the city of Chicago to um, address homelessness so then when a crisis like this happens, people are safe in their homes. And one more time, if people want to help or they need assistance, where should they go? Um, they can go to our website. There is information on our website about how to get help um, and also ways to donate to the cause. 
That's Julie Dworkin of the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. We will tweet out a link to that organization at WBEZ Reset. Julie, thank you for speaking with us. Thank you. And that's it for today's Reset. Hey, you can stay connected to the latest updates and stories about coronavirus in the Chicago area and beyond. Just go to WBEZ.org slash coronavirus. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.